podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. Life happens. Sometimes really hard things happen, but we can still choose to find joy and be happy overall, despite the hard times. Valeria Tellez interviews Karen Vincent about the power of our thoughts and mindset and how they impact our feelings, our actions, and ultimately our results. Karen Vincent is the owner and CEO of Karen Vincent Solutions. She is a certified life coach a certified health coach, a certified integrative nutrition coach, a licensed therapist, and a motivation expert. She works with busy women who have poured all their energy into their careers and others at the expense of their own health, weight, happiness, relationships, and overall life fulfillment. Karen focuses a lot on mindset and helping women change the way they think so that they get the results they want in their lives, even if they have not been successful in the past. Karen also focuses a lot on creating positive habits that help support the goals her clients are wanting to achieve. Karen is passionate about what she does because she has been on this journey herself and has lost a significant amount of weight, improved her diet, exercise and sleep, improved her overall happiness and well-being, and has created habits that support her being successful in living a fulfilled life. She wants to help as many women as possible do the same. Meet Karen at KarenVincentSolutions.com. Here is the interview with Karen Vincent. In your own words, who is Karen Vincent? Well, that's a great question. I think a lot of times we tend to define ourselves by the roles that we have in our lives. And so on that side of it, I would say I'm a clinical social worker. I'm a life coach. I'm a health coach. I'm a wife. I'm a friend. I'm a sister. I'm a daughter, you know, all those things. But I think what, you know, what comes from inside me, who is Karen Vincent, I I think I'm someone who's on and will continue to be on a lifelong journey of growth and development and learning. I I love learning and sharing that with people who are open to um, hearing. And um, I'm someone who just, I'm I'm really about empowering others and, and being kind. I think we need a whole lot more kindness in this world right now, especially. And so um, I really look to myself as I want to help people in whatever way I can, whether that's a friend who just needs to talk or, you know, it's someone I don't know. 
but I think that I could offer something to them. You know, I see them online or something like that. So that's kind of a lot, but that's kind of that's yeah. kind of how I guess I would describe myself. Before we talk about specifically some other topics, so the topic of this conversation, which is the power of thoughts and mindset, happiness and other thoughts in between, what is life to you? Not what life is about, but what is life? Good question. I've never answered this question. So here we go. Um, So life to me is about opportunities, I think. And I say that not opportunities as in terms of, you know, job opportunities or, or opportunities to, you know, do something special necessarily. But I think life is full of opportunities and full of possibilities. And it's upon us as the individuals to create our life based on those opportunities or possibilities we say yes to. So I think life is really abundant. That what's what's out there available to us is is infinitely abundant. And then we get to create what we want in our day-to-day lives or in our, you know, year to year. And we ha- and we have the opportunity to change it. So what what maybe worked five years ago doesn't work today. And then you have this great opportunity to change it. So I think Sometimes people get stuck in the, well, this is just the life I was handed kind of mentality. And I I firmly believe that even with really challenging circumstances, and, and I've worked with people who have had really, really challenging circumstances, I think there's still great opportunity to create a life that is more in alignment with how you want to be living. And that makes me think about the follow-up question, which is the opposite of life or the opposite to life. What would that be? The opposite to life. You know, I think certainly I could look at it very literally, death. Um, and then for for different people, it's, it's whatever you believe um, comes after death. Um, I do believe that there's a, a place after death after death. But I also think the opposite of life, kind of going back to my first answer about what life is, to me, would be someone who doesn't take advantage of anything that's out there for them and chooses to kind of stay within the the walls that they've put around. Not And lots of times it's unintentional, but the walls that they've put around themselves and they stay boxed in. And to me, that's not really living. We'll be exploring more that topic of mindset and changing our thoughts and beliefs and, and limiting beliefs, especially. So my other question is about success. How do you define success these days? What is to be successful? The biggest word and the word that comes to mind first when you when I hear that question is being happy, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's not about money although that that is a measure of success for a lot of people. And and I do consider that a measure of a certain kind of success. But, you know, money without happiness, I'll take I'll take happiness all day long. So (laughs) so I think um, for me, that would be the big one. And then and then you think about, okay, well, for me to be happy, what do I need in my life? And then kind of circling back to the first question, then you kind of create that so that you have this life that's full of joy and happiness and you're surrounded by people who contribute to that or you're engaging in activities or you're taking vacations that contribute to that, whatever it looks like. Uh, You're reading a book that makes you, you know, brings you joy. And so I, I think that would be the number one. And then 
how you carry that out with your actions are the more kind of tangible things that you end up with to have a successful life. What is happiness to you? What brings you happiness? Happiness to me is a, definitely a feeling of contentment and not not in a, I'm just going to sit back and let life happen to me way of contentment, but you know, you kind of feel like it's just okay. Everything's just fine. And I get to choose how I want to feel each day. And, and I believe that you can be dealing with something challenging and feel those feelings and still have joy or happiness in your life. I don't think it has to always be either or. So for me, it's just kind of a feeling like I'm going to continue to feel inspired. I'm going to continue to feel at peace with where things are. And even, even in a time like what we're dealing with right now in this world, something nobody ever predicted. Um, I've had a lot of happiness over these last, whatever, nine months or whatever it's been now. And again, I think we get to choose how we want to feel. So another question is about well-being and wellness. Do you connect them or they are somewhat different? I actually, and this is, this is no, there's no science in this. I don't think this is my own opinion. (laughs) Um, when I think of well-being, I think more of the total person. And again, that's just my kind of visualization of it. So that I think that someone could be in great physical health and not have good well-being because their emotional health is not where it needs to be or where it could be. You know, I guess wellness, you could say the same thing. So maybe I'm going to change my answer. I think that they are very connected, but they both involve the physical health as well as the emotional health. And that when you have that, then I think you're experiencing well-being. I agree, Karen. We need to connect all these areas, so all these aspects that makes us humans. And speaking of that, the third component, spirit, soul, what is to be spiritual to you? Or what is the, the spirit aspect of the human being to you? For me, okay, I was going to say, I think it can look really different for <laughs> different people. So yeah. <laughs> um, for me, it's it's believing that there's something greater than me or greater than, you know, individuals here that plays a role in our lives. And it gives me hope, I think, that that there's, you know, something bigger than just me in my day-to-day life. And I believe it's something that does connect us all. And, you know, right now, that's really hard for some people to feel with all that's going on. But I think that there is something greater that does connect us all. I wish more people could tap into that right now because I I think it it makes for a much better way of feeling about the world. What is the meaning of death to you? I really never thought about it. I mean, I do do believe in the whole circle of life. And so I do believe that um, with the ending of one life, there is a birth of another life. You know, I, I believe in all of that. Yeah, that I that's something I probably should think about more because I really haven't. What do you love most about being a woman? I really like the unique and, and I don't know if you're talking about the physical being or just it, you know, in general, but I I like I love my female friendships. I love the the connectedness and the sisterhood that 
we as women feel with one another and not that men don't connect in their own way, but I, I do believe it's different and I think it's really special. Um, so I would definitely say that's one aspect of being a woman or female that I really, I really appreciate. What is the most challenging aspect about being a woman from your perspective? I think that there are, it's gotten much, much better, of course, but I think that there are still, there's definitely still gender bias going on. And there's, you know, that plays out certainly in the workplace. I think that the objectification of women is still a problem. Yeah. Yeah. And I find that challenging. I, despite it, you know, it's not me being objectified, but even seeing it or hearing it or, you know, the, online, certainly there's enough garbage that you can stumble upon if, you, if yeah. you're looking long enough. And so yeah. I think that that's really still a struggle that we have to keep pushing to um, get the playing field a little more even in terms of the, the, definitely the workplace and, and but also um, respect. Do you think this is changing at this time? I do. I mean, I, I am hopeful that, that it's continuing to get better. I think, you know, I know a lot of people in Hollywood have spoken out, certainly a female athlete. So people with visibility um, yeah. are speaking out, I think. That, but I do think that there are other people with big platforms who are maybe not where they should be yet so or where I would hope that they would be. So I think there's progress, but I, I, I definitely think there's good work to be done. What is freedom to you, Karen? What is to be free? Freedom to me is being able to being able to see your possibilities, and it's not always easy. So, be, being able to see that there's a choice. You know, if you're in a job that makes you miserable every day, being able to see that you know you don't need to be reckless and just walk away but there's freedom to say I can create something different for myself I think this year in particular for me has opened my eyes to a lot of freedom that I take for granted that other people don't have and so I'm definitely doing some work on that which is you know helping me recognize a lot of freedoms that I have that other people don't necessarily have in terms of justice and feeling safe and that kind of thing And even, you know, the freedom to just go into a store and smile at somebody without a mask mm -hmm. on, you know, mm -hmm. that, that I think that, so I think, um, yeah. I think I've become more appreciative of the very, the smaller things or the things that maybe weren't on my radar before. And that's a very good message for all of us, being more appreciative of the simple things. What is love to you? Love is being open being understanding, being non-judgmental and connect, you know, connecting on a level that isn't, you know, isn't just on the surface. It's, it's really connecting from a place of, I guess, a place of spirit, but, you know, collect, being able to connect with people in a way that, you know, you just know they're there for you. They just know that you're there for them. And then also I think um, having compassion because, you can feel love for people you've never met based on, you know, their story or, you know, you wanting to support them in some way. So I think it's, I think compassion goes hand in hand with love. Do you believe in unconditional self-love? I think that that's the ideal, you know, I, I yeah. think, and, and, and you're right, you're right, you mentioned it just now about self-love. I think that 
you're better, much better able to love others if you love yourself. I think that it's a challenge to have unconditional self-love and that um, I know for me, at least I have to be really intentional about it. I I have to, and we're going to talk about this. I have to notice when those thoughts come in that that's me saying things to myself that I would never say to my best friend. And so you, the more awareness I think you have of that, the more you can um, kind of blossom that self-love. So how did you become a writer? Well, I, um, I've always, I, you know, I think going back to probably elementary school, I all, I've always enjoyed writing. You know, English was kind of always my, one of my favorite classes, if not my favorite class throughout all my years of school. And so um, I just, I like putting thoughts down onto paper. For me, it really helps me kind of organize and make sense of all the jumble that can go on in my head sometimes. Mm-hmm. And then I think it's it's a nice opportunity to share things with others. So I, you know, I write in journal that's private for me, you know, that kind of writing, which I really enjoy too. And then I also really enjoy um, stuff that I hope is, you know, writing stuff that I hope is helpful to other people or resonates with some other people. Talk to me for a moment about the um, Karen Vincent Solutions. How did you become the owner and CEO of this company? Yeah, so I um, a little a little backstory. So um, I mentioned when I was saying who I am. So for the last twenty years, I've been a licensed clinical social worker, providing therapeutic services to people in a v- variety of settings. And about twelve years ago, when I certainly didn't know all that much about life coaching. I think it was just kind of coming to be a thing. I went, I got certified as life coaching and I love therapy. I love, I love, love life coaching. And so I, in my corporate job, we were providing therapeutic services and we added life coaching services. And then about four years ago, I we were adding wellness services. So I went and got certified as a health coach as well as an integrative nutrition coach. And it really, for me, it, it helped me because I, I coached myself. And at the time I was pretty burned out at work and I wasn't taking as good a care of myself as I wanted to. And so the health coaching piece really helped me personally. And it really shined the light on what we were just talking about, that you need a healthy mind and a healthy body to really kind of be at your your best. Mm. And so I kind of had had it on my heart for a while that I would love to have my own business. I kind of have that entrepreneurial spirit going back to when I was a kid drawing pictures, knocking on my neighbor's door, asking for a quarter for one of my horrible pictures. They were sweet enough to give it to me. So I um, so I had the opportunity to transition out of my corporate job at the beginning of this year in January. And so I started my own business, which I am just absolutely loving. And my, I'm not opposed to coaching men, but my really my target... Um, audience is females. And I think it's because, you know, I've had my own journey as a female and and certainly can connect and um, definitely about empowering other women and doing what I can to help other people achieve what they want in their lives. Mm, I'm glad you did it. <laughs> you <laughs> took that, that step. You had to become an entrepreneur with this kind of intention. That's beautiful. I still have some doubts about stress. Is there such a thing as healthy stress 
And how is burnout different from being stressful or stressed? Yeah, I I do think that there's healthy stress. I think stress can be a motivator, certainly. And and uh, you know, I've I've seen it as a motivator for myself. I've seen it for as a motivator for other people in my life. I think when it's chronic, it then that's where it starts to take its toll is if it's you know, prolonged and significant over a period of time, it does affect us physically as well as emotionally when we're constantly, you know, whether it's we're just, we've got tense muscles, so then we develop back pain or, you know, whatever, not sleeping and it kind of can, can kind of spiral into the physical piece. But when I think about burnout, I think it is, it's prolonged stress. But I also think that if you think about it, let's just say from a job perspective that you have a big project due and you spend a month working, you know, 70 hour weeks to get this project done and it, it's done and it launches and it's amazing and everybody feels great and you can kind of take your foot off the gas for a little while. Maybe you get a bonus because it went so well that that, that person's probably not going to be burnt out because they kind of, they knew what they were getting into and then they felt the pleasure that comes the reward that mm. comes with all their hard work. Yeah. I think that people get burnt out sometimes when they feel like they're grinding it out in whatever situation. It could be in a relationship, it could be at a job, and then they don't they don't get the relief and they don't get any of the positive emotions. Oh wow. And so you feel like I'm spinning my wheels and I'm doing so much and I'm trying and I'm working and and then the you know you don't you're not getting any of those positive emotions. And so that thoughts are just negative um, about the whole experience. And I think that's really when we get in trouble with, with, you know, burnout. Right. Full on burnout. Yeah, that makes sense. It makes me think about finding our purpose. So many people talk about living the purpose of our lives, getting to know ourselves. Do you think this is somehow connected? I do. I think, you know, just I'll stick with the same analogy that I think employees that don't get burnout, don't because they feel connected to the bigger mission of the company, even if, you know, they're at a, at a entry level position that they feel good about what they're doing and how they're contributing to the company or the world or the, you know, the mission. And I think that's a really good point when you just feel like you're going through the motions and there's no reward and there's no, you don't feel like you're, we all want to make a difference in the world. We all want to feel like we matter. And when you don't experience that, I think it becomes really hard to stay engaged and to stay positive about what you're doing. What are the signs when we are living the purpose, when we are finally there? I think it can be twofold. I think it's good to think about it on an intellectual level. So really, you know, knowing what you value in life, knowing what's important to you and making sure that you're days or weeks or months or years have those things in them. Um, I also think that it's it's just a feeling. And for me, it kind of goes back to the, uh, the joy. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're doing yeah. what you think is meaningful and what you are meant to be doing, and that can change over time, but, right. but in any given moment, then I think you feel that contentment, that joy, that kind of inner peace, and that that's, that's a sign that you're doing, you know, you found your purpose, you're doing what you should be doing. Are feelings and emotions the same? You speak of feelings a lot, so I'm wondering if they're different. I do, th- I do consider them the same. So I think when, when we separate them out, I think it's because people think, okay, the feeling is, 
you know, me caring what I'm experiencing in my body and the emotion is what I'm projecting out Mm, um, to someone else. But I, I do think ultimately it's, it's this kind of the same kind of a bundle package together. And the article you sent to me, going back to the subject of burnout, you give some tips so to help us to avoid, to get to that point of burning out. And also those tips will help us in the recovery process. Talk to me about those suggestions, Karen. Yeah, so we kind of already covered, you know, the what I believe causes burnout. The one thing I would say, in particular, if you're someone that you think you're on this road right now, or that maybe you've, you've been there before, is to know that you can pull yourself out of it. So it's not inevitable that you have to stay in a situation and continue to feel the burnout, even if the situation doesn't change. So one of the things that I think is really important, and I think this is across the board, whether you're burnt out or you're not, is to practice good self-care. Um, I, I, that go, for so many of us, that often goes on the back burner and we're caring for everybody else and everything else. And so figure out what what makes you feel recharged. For some people, that's taking a bath. For some people, that might be taking a nap, reading a book, wrapping yourself up in a a blanket with a book Mm -hmm. in a cup of tea and just Mm -hmm. having some quiet time. So whatever that feels like, I think that that's really important. Another thing for people who are working either as entrepreneurs or in the corporate world is that Um, And I definitely have been there in the past where you kind of wear as a badge of honor that you don't take your vacation, that you're working so hard, that you're working so late, that you're, you know, we're up late, up early. And so that's going to put you on the fast track to burnout, I think. So and then most people that I know who have done that for a period of time end up resenting it because you're you're just you're throwing your your pleasure time out the window. So I think you know, take vacation, use the time that you have in all, and I know now it's hard to travel, but in general, you can still go do something that will, will give you a break from what's causing you stress. And then if you do take the time off, take the time off and stay off your email, stay off your phone, you know, don't be, don't be checking in, trust that other people can take care of things for you. One other one that I think, and and there are some others in in the article, but um, is setting boundaries. I think, and that could be in the workplace and also in your personal life that, you know, there might be times where people want you to go hang out and you want that night on the couch with a book and a cup of tea and an early bedtime. And so to figure out what it is that's, that's pulling on you, that's causing that burnout, and then to draw some boundaries around that and make sure that you protect, essentially you're protecting your peace and you can look at how to do that at work and also how to do that um, in your personal life. What you just said about boundaries, that is connected to self-beliefs. This idea of pleasing others all the time. There's something that's happening. There's uh, ideas and concepts. So, yeah, I guess we can talk about that now. How do we change those limiting beliefs, ideas, and thoughts? Yeah, that's such a good question. I think the... um, first most critical step is being aware of them 
And so we have, you know, I've seen different numbers, but like 40, 60,000 thoughts a day that mm, wow. just run through our minds. And, and, and most yeah. of them are unconscious. Right. You know, you're not, yeah. you're not consciously thinking, I have to put my right foot in front of my left foot to keep moving forward. But your mind is, is doing that, uh, you know, behind the scenes. And so what happens is a lot of our self-limiting thoughts are running behind the scenes as well. And we don't even know they're there. And so what the, the best way that um, has worked for me and it's worked for clients, um, both in a therapeutic setting as well as in my coaching practice, is the way to get to the thought is to first look at the emotion or the feeling. So when you're feeling something, maybe it's overwhelm, maybe it's frustration, whatever that feeling is, to really dig in and be intentional and figure out what you're saying. And a lot of times we think that the situation is causing the feeling. So for example, a pandemic is causing me stress. The pandemic is not causing stress. What your thoughts are about the pandemic is what's causing stress. And so, and they, they are likely very logical. I mean, I would be surprised if anybody has not experienced stress during this, right? But, mm-hmm. but the point is you get to choose. Now you get to be in control of that. So when you feel an emotion to, to really like dump your thoughts on paper and what is running through my head right now that's making me feel like this. And then you get to choose, you know, is this thought serving me? Or is there a better thought that I could be thinking about the situation? And I think that two tools that help with this, um, you mentioned gratitude before. Practicing gratitude on a daily basis will help you get to a better thought because every day you're going to be looking for things to be grateful for instead of focusing on the things that are going to cause those negative emotions. And then the second one is practicing mindfulness. Um, even five minutes a day of just trying to focus on one thing, your breathing, let's say, and your thoughts will come in and out and inevitably, you know, it's five minutes and you're going to be thinking about, I got to do laundry. What's for dinner? What's tomorrow going to look like, you know? And when those, when you notice your mind go there and you notice it and bring it back, that's when you're building that muscle of of focus and being able to focus in the moment. And the better that, the stronger that muscle is, the better able you're going to be able to recognize your thoughts in the moment that are causing either negative feelings or self, you know, the self-limiting talk. You're going to be able to see that much, much sooner and bring it up to the surface. And once it's up to the surface, you can deal with it. We need to be able to see what's happening in order to make change, right? So the tools, writing, it's so clear to me that that's such a wonderful tool, meditation and gratitude. So the way to practice gratitude, would you say, would be writing as well, what we are grateful for every day? Or could we practice gratitude in a different way? I like the writing it down. For me, there's a lot more power when you write something down and, and it doesn't feel as it, it to me it just feels more natural like something's just flowing out of my head onto paper so it doesn't it doesn't feel forced it doesn't feel if you're forcing it it's not you're not going to get the effect so um and, and i and i think pen and paper i know that there's a lot of apps and some people that's just a preference to go have something in an app where they do it or to um i would say just thinking about it is better than not doing it at all but um 
writing it down is is nice. And, and I also think writing it down and saving it and going back and looking, you know, over the course of a month, what, what were all the things that you were grateful for? That just is going to automatically make you feel like you have a more joyful, abundant life. So once we are aware of the thoughts, the limiting thoughts, ideas, beliefs, then what is the process of changing them? Would you say that they are being replaced by these practices or we are adding new ones, uh, we are ignoring the negative ones or removing them? What, what's happening in that process? I think it, it varies depending on the situation. So if if someone has a really ingrained, neg- let's call, I'm just going to call it a negative thought that's causing mm-hmm. a, a, you know, a negative feeling, mm-hmm. if it's been there for a very long time, it would be really hard for them to just replace it and believe the new thought. But you just keep doing it over and over. So you feel the feeling and you keep going back and saying that's that same thought that keeps or some version of that same thought that keeps coming in and it is not serving me. And then once you really get, you really believe that, that that is not serving me, then I think you can get to a place where you start to say, what might I be able to think that would make me feel a little bit better? Mm. And so you, it's hard to go from like zero to a hundred. Now, if it's, if it's not an ingrained thought, that might be pretty easy to do right away. And you just say, wow, I never realized that was in my head. I'm just going to change up. I'm going to reframe the situation basically. Um, so, and so, but I think the tools that we talked about help you be able to do that because you are in a place where you're training your brain to notice thoughts sooner. And you're in a place where you're becoming more aware of your thoughts. And then the gratitude is you're training your brain to look for the good in a situation that even, you know, a situation could be bad, but there still could be components of good in it. I wonder what makes most of us to decide to change. It seems like simple, but we have to do a lot of work to get there. Mm -hmm. So what do you think from your experience is the catalyst to that decision to make change and to change beliefs, our own beliefs? That that's you bring up a really good point because it is it it's hard, particularly if you're going to make a significant change and it's it's changing something that's been in place for a while. So I think I think the first component is you have to believe it's possible, and for so many of us, that's what holds us back. Because if I know I'm going to have to do something that's uncomfortable, and I don't believe that it's going to get me to where I want to be, I'm just never going to do it. True. So, <laughs> yeah, so, true. so I think, um, I think it's, and this is sometimes, mm-hmm. sometimes where having somebody else to talk to can help you kind of bubble up that, that those feelings of encouragement that this is possible. But so you have to believe that at least, you know, above 50% possible that you can make this change. And then, um, I think being realistic about it, being, you know, starting small and getting those wins is better than saying all of a sudden I'm going to change my whole life or I'm going to change this whole behavior pattern or this whole thought pattern in a day because I can't stand feeling like this anymore. That can be the catalyst to get it going, but to and to, and, and but to be realistic about change takes time, that there's going to be moments of discomfort but when you go through that, you're actually growing and you're going to get to the other side of it, which is where you ultimately want to be. So 
Um, I, I think being realistic is really important. And, and once you have the belief, you have to have the belief first that it's possible. From what I see, it could be translated into trust, just trusting ourselves that we can do it. Yeah. Because a lot of times I talk to so many people and we talk about living, living without beliefs, but being open to life itself. <laughs> but it's interesting to talk about the way you speak, that beliefs are the root of any kind of manifestation. Mm-hmm. And we cannot live without them. I don't think so. Would you think that's possible to navigate this reality without beliefs? No, I I, I think, uh, yeah, for, from my perspective, I think I, I really believe that, it, and I do this work on myself all the time, that if what you're thinking about, what you're believing creates your feelings, and then how you're feeling creates the actions that you take, and the actions that you take create the result, and the result goes back to the thought always. So if in that, you know, in the scenario of, you know, how do, how do you change your belief? If my thought is I can't, then I feel hopeless and I feel kind of, you know, confined. And so then I don't take any action to try to change the situation. And then what ha- the result is I don't change the situation. So that's really how I look at it. Yeah. There's another article you sent me that I found to be very interesting, the topic. The, uh, I will be happy when... And then when something happens, we're waiting to be happy, in other words. So talk to me for a moment about this idea of waiting for tomorrow to be joyful and to be satisfied in life. Yeah, I think I think it's we all have done it or we all do it mm-hmm. where you True. say, you know, as as soon as I make this much money, I'll be happier. As soon as I get married, I'll be happier. As soon as I have kids or whatever, it mm-hmm. buy the house you know, I'll be happy when I get to see my friends again in a large group setting or, you know, whatever. Um, And while I think all of those things bring added joy to your life, I think disqualifies what we were talking about earlier, that we get to choose to be happy every day in our, in our, in the exact circumstance we're in, we get to choose to be happy with ourselves exactly as we are today. And so I think it, it, it causes, it can cause people to get really stuck because you're waiting for some external thing to create what you want internally. And we have the ability to create that from within. Another thing you talked about is uh, see failure as positive. That is an interesting challenge, isn't it? It is. (laughs) (laughs) Very interesting. It sure is. So I think what happens a lot of times is that we don't try something because we're afraid of failing. And we're afraid of failing because that's going to make us uncomfortable. And we're also afraid of other people seeing us fail. So a lot of times we just sit in a place where we don't really want to be because we don't want to take the risk that we might fail. But what I've learned is that and what I've seen with other people is that when you do that, I, I, I mean, anytime, and, and it's so funny, one day I was sitting in my office and I'll loop this back around <laughs> and the little boy down the street had just taken his training wheels off his bike mm-hmm. and he was in, he's running, I mean, he's three houses down and he fell like five times before he got to my, you know, my driveway mm-hmm. and he just kept doing it and he just kept getting back up 
wiping off his knees, wiping his tears some of the time, like he was, he was hurting himself, but he kept getting up and riding again and riding again. And within two hours, that kid was zipping around the neighborhood <laughs> like he had been on that bike for a year. Wow. And so, because every time he fell, he learned something new about, you can't lean too far here. You can't just slam on the brakes. You can't, you know? And so I think that as adults, he didn't, he wasn't afraid. He just wanted to, like, he was determined. He was going to run, he was going to ride that bike as fast as his older brother was riding his bike. And so as adults, we start to censor all of that. And we do, we get into all the what ifs and, and this, you know, bad thing. And so if we're just willing to say, yeah, this might not turn out the way I hope it does the first time, but if it doesn't, I'm, I'm going to learn a whole lot and I'm going to do it better next time. And before I ask you my final questions, I also see here another message that's very, very interesting and powerful. And I believe in this too. You say, if it doesn't challenge you, it doesn't change you. So that makes me think about that challenges are very important in the way that they play a role in, in growth. Is that possible to change, to transform, shift and grow without certain hardships and extreme challenges? I do. I think there has to be some level of challenge for there to be change because otherwise, there, you know, there's nothing's different. So nothing's different. But I don't think it has to be dramatic. You know, if somebody wants to make a massive change quickly, they're going to have to challenge themselves pretty hard. And and a lot of times you will go back to your comfort zone pretty fast. And I, I'm just thinking about um, a good example would be exercise. So if I wanted to run a half marathon and right now I can't even run a mile, let's say, I am going to have to push myself to a place that I have never been. But I could say, I'm going to I'm going to be able to do it within a month, which would be a, a huge challenge and a lot of discomfort. Or I could say over the next year, I'm going to build up to that, in which case I'm still going to have the same end result. I'm just going to give myself a little more time so that um, it's not so uncomfortable that I want to give up. And, and I think that's a good thing to assess if you're looking to make a change and, and there, you don't feel like a really strong need or urgency to do it is at, you know, at what pace can you do it where you don't feel so much discomfort that you're going to want to keep quitting. And then you do start, stop, start, stop. And you just, you know, you get to the cycle of beating yourself up. Um, but if you can just kind of go at a pace that makes sense and feel those wins and the successes, then that it's empowering. And then you're, you know, you're more driven to keep going. If you knew you would die soon, would you make any change in your life or do anything differently? That's a good question. And it's tricky to answer right now. So I'm going to pretend that it was pre-pandemic. Um, the answer is the same, but there's external factors that, that manage it. I would make a really conscious effort even on really busy weeks to um, reach out more to friends and family and try to have a little bit more face time with friends and family. And my last question is, what are three things about life you know for sure as of now? Nothing is, uh, nothing is certain. <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah. Um, I think that uh, the possibilities are limitless if you're willing to 
open your eyes and, and take some risks. And I think that people are generally, generally good and kind and that that's by far the majority. And, you know, we just lose sight of that when, when the other side is, is highlighted. It, you, sometimes we lose sight of it. So I think that just in general, people are good and um, that we're all connected in some, you know, bigger way. Thank you so much for your wisdom. I love your wisdom and your authentic presence. Thank you, Karen. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Where can we find more information about you, your work, products, services, and future projects? Um, so on my website, which is KarenVincentSolutions.com, um, I, and I have a lot of kind of free resources on there as well that people are welcome to check out. And then, um, I'm on Instagram daily kind of posting tips, strategies, inspiration, and, um, Instagram, I'm at Karen Vincent coach. And then I'm also on Facebook. Um, I have a, my business page is Karen Vincent Solutions. And then I also have a private Facebook community called Live Your Best Boss Lady Life. Um, and so I'm there regularly. That's kind of where I hang out on social media. And in, anybody with questions is welcome to email me, Karen at KarenVincentSolutions.com. I'm happy to help out in any way I can. Beautiful. Thank you so much again, and we'll talk soon. Thank you so much. Take good care. You too. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Karen Vincent and her work, please visit KarenVincentSolutions.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. I want to thank the Patreon members, Lawrence McGrath, Mark Basden, Terry Clayton, and Aidan Vickrock. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.